are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back in, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. Uh, my name is Damian. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Uh, we got a jam-packed show today. Uh, we're going to do – we did have one signing this week. We're going to run down a bunch of different rumors that started floating out. Like we said last week, things are going to start actually picking up. Um, so we got quite a few rumors, and then we're going to do our AL Central uh, division breakdown for you guys and, and kind of just give, you know, which each team's core is, what they lost, and what we think each one of their needs are. Uh, but before we jump to that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. I've had a pretty good week and just uh, hanging out and waiting for COVID to go away and um, just chilling. So I had a good Thanksgiving. Did you, you have a good Thanksgiving as well? Yeah, I actually went over to my uh, to my dad's house and had a little uh, little family dinner over there. So it was, awesome! It was nice. Awesome. I just couldn't do some of the other stuff we usually do because of COVID, but you know that's just kind of the world we live in nowadays. Gotta gotta make sacrifices. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. Well, well let's go ahead and jump into this first uh first the only signing we had <laughs> this week, and we actually talked a lot about it on our last episode. Um, and it actually happened – we recorded it on a Monday, and the signing happened Tuesday morning. Um, but that is Charlie Morton did actually end up signing a one-year $15 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, um, this is uh, – obviously we talked about this a lot last week because that was a rumor that was out there. And um, it's kind of rare for the Braves rumors to, uh, to come to fruition, especially ones that were – pretty aggressive just because they're really good at keeping everything under wraps in their organization. But this is a great, great signing for the Braves. It's a one-year deal. It's another one of those low-risk deals for for Alex Anthopoulos. Um, The Braves now have a rotation of Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson as their number four, and then either Drew Smiley, who could also potentially be a swing man that that pitches out of the bullpen some, and, uh, and some of those other young guys like, like, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, maybe even a Kyle Muller at some point in the season. So um, that rotation is pretty solid, and I would try. To, I would probably put it as one of the tops in the National League. Um, and uh, Charlie Morton also a little nugget here. Um, so we talked about him so much last week, but he cited the Braves' chemistry and uh, his relationship with Travis Darno as reasons for the signing, and that's an interesting relationship there. He, Darno obviously last year pitched in Tampa. Um, and I mean, caught in Tampa, caught Charlie Morton uh, when he was a all-star and finished third in Cy Young voting. So um, that was an interesting little nugget that I found. Yeah, it's it's a really good signing. And, I, and like I was going to ask, is that rotation good? Because I don't know if it is or not. I mean, man, no, that that's completely sarcasm. That rotation is going to be very good. I mean, Ian Anderson, he showed in the playoffs. Max Fried showed in the playoffs that they are two top-of-the-rotation studs. We have saw that before from Mike Soroka as well. Um, and then you add a guy who's, like you just said, finished third in the Cy Young two years ago in Charlie Morton. So that Braves rotation is going to be you know, very nice if they can not have the injury problems like they had this last year. Right. Uh, and, and, and to add on that too, depth is a big deal here because the Braves now are not relying on Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, as starters so if they do lose somebody they're not going to have to go way down the list i mean because they're going to have you know they're going to have the options of you know maybe drew smiley is pitching out of the bullpen and if they lose if say if soroka doesn't make it at the beginning of the season 
or or say or or Kyle Wright or, or Bryce Wilson, you know, any of those three pitching out of the bullpen or pitching in AAA or something for for the two younger guys. If you say Soroka is not ready for the opening day, then you've still got these guys in your bullpen or in AAA that are pretty, you know, ready major league pitchers. And obviously in Drew Smiley's case, a veteran major league pitcher. So uh, I think pitching depth, starting pitching depth is, is very important here as well. Yeah, and one thing to note with this Morton signing is that the one-year $15 million is the exact same contract that he would have had in Tampa Bay, and they yes. declined that option. Um, we had talked before about maybe they were trying to look for a little discount or whatever, and Morton didn't want a discount, so he ended up finding that $15 million in Atlanta. Um, um, but that's kind of the one little piece of, of actual move that we had happen this week. Um, so let's kind of just go ahead and jump over to our rumor portion of the show. Uh, quite a bit of rumors were starting to fly out, with the first one being that the Houston Astros are kind of floating Carlos Correa's name out um, about potentially being traded. Now, he is a part of that really stacked shortstop free agency class uh, next year that has Javier Baez, um, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, and Carlos Correa. Um, but it's interesting that they're they're trying to float his name out there and maybe gauge interest in him. Yeah, um, Carlos Correa is a very good Major League Baseball player, very good shortstop. Um, you know, he, he's had some consistency problems in his career, but he's been at least solid every year, and then he's had times where he's looked like an MVP candidate. Um, the big thing here that's different from the other guys is the fact that Carlos Correa was part of the Astros cheating scandal. So, um you know, and and played a more prominent role in it than a guy like like it seems to me like Springer hasn't really played didn't really play much of a role in it, and that teens aren't really worried about it with him. But I think Correa did play a pretty large role in it, and I think teams are might be worried about that a little bit and any kind of compensation package the uh, the Astros might get for him. So that could be interesting. Um, I think um, if you look at teams that may be interested, um, I'll let you start on that. What who do you think might be interested in Correa? Well, one thing I want to say, too, is that what you're kind of you're hitting on is that Correa, not only was he involved in it, but he's been one of the most vocal people about yes, it. Yes, yes. Um, about pretty much calling everybody else out and saying that you don't know what happened, so shut your mouth. And pretty much, I mean, he's had run-ins with Aaron Judge, with Cody Bellinger, and, uh, I mean, the Joe Kelly thing this year. Um, so he's he's been the core part of a lot of the controversy surrounding um, that. So... As far as teams, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he obviously he's an all-star player. He's one of the top shortstops in the game um, when healthy and when, you know, when playing up to his capability. Um, but I do think that he's his market's going to take a hit because of, first of all, there's like you said, there's a, a stacked free agency class next year. And maybe a team is, you know, only going to – will a team want to give up a lot of pieces and have him potentially leave them next year when maybe they can just go sign him next year? Yeah, um, he's a one-year rental for sure. I mean, we don't yeah. know exactly what's going to end up happening there, but he's he's a one-year rental. I could see a team maybe like the Reds. Um, you know, they've been in the shortstop market. They've said that they've been interested before in Corey Seager or Francisco Lindor when their names have come up in trade rumors. Um, so maybe they're an interesting little uh, destination for Carlos Correa. I it's it's hard to find him an actual landing spot just because of how many you know coming up to that market I I don't know that many people are going to be active on the shortstop market outside of probably Francisco Lindor. Yeah, and and another 
note on you know what I believe Correa could end up you know could it could end up being a destination for him maybe is the um, I think it's probably a mid, middle or small market team um, because I think that teams like maybe the New York teams like the Mets and the Yankees could both potentially go after a shortstop and teams like that you know I think that media presence there could really hurt with when bringing in Correa but you know maybe if you go to a smaller market team that's kind of like like you mentioned with the Reds that's kind of uh you know still out there trying to win now um you know Correa might be a good option for them as somebody who maybe he can go rebuild his image a little bit without quite as much of the scrutiny from the media that you might get in like New York or in Boston or you know in LA or something like that so um I think that would be an interesting, uh, an interesting location for him. Would be the Reds. I, I agree with you. I, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but that that sounds pretty interesting for him. So yeah. So uh, well, let's jump from one Astro potentially being traded to another Astro that is a free agent, um, and that's George Springer, uh, who you've already mentioned. Uh, but he's now a free agent, and his market kind of seemed to be one of the ones that was going to move very, uh, very early because. The outfield market this year is not that great, and he's the top name out there. Um, you know, we've heard that the Red Sox were interested. We've heard that uh, the Blue Jays. We've heard that um, the Astros won him back. Um, but the Blue Jays has come out and recently said that they've kind of went past the just the talking stage. And usually when they say that that happens, that means that an offer has already been made. Um, you know, maybe they're just kind of, throwing offers back and forth now but to get past that's kind of the first real big um of the top top free agents that we've heard that has got past any kind of just rumor phase um and that teams are actually you know serious in their negotiations yeah the blue jays uh just a note on the blue jays in general is that i've heard you know from different places on twitter and everything that they have been very aggressive with all the top free agents that they really want to add some pieces to their young core or um, or semi young core and um, they they're kind of they're trying to get into win now mode and that you know obviously the the Springer rumor is a big part of that um, you know I kind of like the idea of bringing in Springer to to Toronto I think that would be a good signing for the Blue Jays it gives them a little bit more of a consistent option um, a guy who I, the only thing I would worry about it a little bit is they've got a lot of guys that can play right and left field and I mean, they can probably throw Springer into center for a little while and not have him as a disaster defensively. But I think he's probably destined in, within this contract to become a corner outfielder more so than a center fielder. So um, that would be an interesting thing to look at. Of course, there's really not much out there for center field anyway. So uh, maybe you do bring him in as to play center field this year. But he, um, you know, he'd be a good signing for anybody. I mean, he's a good player. So um Blue Jays, um, the Blue Jays are aggressive, and I think they'll go after. You know, I think they'll be in at least in the running for just about all the top free agents, whether it's Real Muto or Bauer or whoever. Now that doesn't mean I think they're going to sign all of them because there's more to it than just the Blue Jays are interested for them to end up end up there. But I do think the Blue Jays are going to at least try real, real hard to sign one of the top guys out there for this. Uh, for this for this free agent class so uh, that's an interesting rumor i hadn't really thought too much about the blue jays for springer but here we are he yeah. might end up there yeah and he i mean he can't possibly be a worse center fielder than what they were playing out in center field this year oh absolutely I mean, I, they, were, they were playing randall gritchick out in center yeah field, so I, I do think that springer would be a good um 
a good desti- or the Blue Jays would be a good destination for Springer. And like you said, I have heard that they were aggressive on all the top free agents as well. Um, even DJ LeMahieu is a name that you didn't yeah. you didn't say, but they've been aggressive on him as well, trying to steal him from the division rival Yankees, um, which is another very interesting thing because then that means you're moving Kevin Biggio around and everything. But that's not for this episode. Uh, but but Springer would be would be a, I think he'd be fantastic up in Toronto or Boston or wherever they're what what they play this year was a uh, Buffalo that's where they oh play. yeah Buffalo um, um yeah. the Buffalo Blue Jays <laughs> yeah so well let's jump over to another outfielder um that has he didn't play this last year but is we talked about him getting signed to a new agent um last episode and now he's already gauging interest from around the league and that's Yasiel Puig. Um, we know at least three teams have been interested or, or been in contact about potentially getting his services, and that is the Boston Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Houston Astros. Yeah, um, I mean, Puig, we talked about him a little bit last week. He's a good player. Um, I don't think he's an all-star level player, but he would play a pretty good role on any of these teams as a good right-handed power bat. Um, now, I think Puig's best scenario after not playing for a season um would probably be to go to a, a rebuilding team a little bit and have on maybe a one-year deal try to rebuild his value again um and i think that you're i think that's what you know obviously with the orioles being in there that's definitely what you're seeing there um and i think the astros might be going into a rebuild again somewhat soon i mean They've got some pieces still. We'll talk about them, you know, and maybe in the next episode with them being in the AL West. But, um, but they're currently, um, you know, they're about to lose. They just lost Springer. They just lost Brantley. They're going to lose Correa. Whether if they trade him, obviously this off season, but if not next off season to free agency, uh, you know, Verlander. They're losing to age. They lost Garrett Cole last year. So a lot of that really good core that you know took them to a couple World Series and won them the World Series in 2017 is gone and or is about to be gone so you might end up seeing the astros take a little bit of a start to rebuild a little bit so they could end up being kind of a similar situation when it comes to puig and then the red sox is kind of a who knows what they're going to end up being this year um you know a lot of it depends on health obviously with chris sell being injured was not good for them at all but uh i think um you know puig will go somewhere and i think he'll do something like hit 240 and you know have a 320 on base and have a you know 450 slugging and hit 20 ish home runs and play okay defense in the outfield where he's you know maybe a two win a two wins above replacement type player so i think that could be any of these teams would obviously would would really like to see that so um yeah, that's that's about a major league outfielder. Oh yeah, I mean it's a, he's a, he's a, he'd be an yeah. adequate major league outfielder. If you don't have an outfielder, then Puig is a guy who I think definitely think could end up being that. Just play, throw him out there in left field, and you know he's got a good arm. He can always affect the game in that way. You know he's gonna hit 15, 20 home runs because he's got really good power. You know obviously his contact's not great, and he hits the ball on the ground a lot. So sometimes that power doesn't necessarily come out of him, but you know, you end up getting in a situation where you, you got a guy who's, you know, he's a good player. He's not a great player. He's not an all-star player at this stage. Uh, but he's, I mean, I think he's definitely a lower end to maybe mid-tier regular. So, um, you know, uh, he could definitely help a lot of teams. 
Um, let's go ahead and jump over to our next one. Uh, and this is, this was, it was kind of staggering uh, when we first heard it. And it, it only came out a couple days ago, so we'll, hopefully we'll get more information kind of as it happens. Um, but John Middleton came out with, uh, who is part of the Philadelphia Phillies organization, and said that this year alone that the Phillies lost over $2 billion in uh, revenue um, from the shortened COVID season and not having fans and all of that. And that it's really going to kind of hamstring their possibilities for, um, you know, management terms. They're already doing layoffs. Um, they are a team that doesn't have a GM right now, and that could potentially be another reason why. And Middleton's kind of taken over more of the day-to-day -day operations. Um, but it also seems like it's going to hurt their on-field um, talent. Um, what it kind of said that this probably takes them out of the running of re-signing JT Real Muto. Uh, we've talked about you know them re-signing him a lot on this this uh, podcast before. Um, but if, if they're not able to sign him and they made that big trade, giving up, you know, Sixto Sanchez and everything, obviously they didn't give it up foreseeing that a pandemic was going to happen and that they're going to lose this uh, revenue. But it, that that's a big, big thing for Major League Baseball that they're going to have to seriously look at. Yeah, um, the Phillies losing all that revenue is, is big. And I, I, think, I don't know how it compares to other teams. That's going to be the big issue here is do, does it compare – uh, you know, if they lost two billion, how much do, did the Yankees lose? How much did the Mets lose? How much did the did the Tigers lose? How much did the Braves lose? How much did the White Sox lose? So, I think if you're the Phillies, uh, that hurt that hurts real bad when it comes to your your potential to re-sign anybody. But the fact that they have so much money on their books already, anyways, it, with with Harper's contract and McCutcheon's got a Got a pretty good bit of money tied up, and he's a guy who's been injured and you know hadn't played all the time. I mean, um, they had Wheeler. a Zach Wheeler's a, a big big time. You know, I know he's good, but he's also that's a that's an expensive contract. Um, they have a lot of they have a, and Aaron Nola is going to end up being somewhat expensive here soon with arbitration and eventually a free agency. You know, are they going to be able to resign him? So you're getting into a situation where the Phillies this is two years in a row that after they after they had made all those moves that they didn't haven't made the playoffs after they made the Harper signing and all this excitement then this this year they obviously brought in um and the real Muto trade the Harper signing the they had the uh the McCutcheon signing, uh, they signed a bunch of bullpen arms year before last, and then this year they brought in Zach Wheeler to add to that. And man, this is if the Phillies lose a couple players and have payroll issues, uh, this is a that that's really devastating for them, and, it, and it's on the brink of disaster. And they what they need right now is they really need to find their GM to figure some of this stuff out because without a GM, all this gets amplified because. As we all know, you know sometimes as we as we all know from watching the NFL and see Jerry Jones attempting to run the Cowboys, that the owner maybe doesn't always make the best decisions when it comes to uh, day to day uh, day to day stuff. So, yeah, you don't remind me anything about Jerry Jones running the team, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're doing a draft from his yacht. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big thing uh, for the Phillies, possibly losing Real Muto, and, and maybe for Major League Baseball about how this might affect you know things going forward and how this pandemic might 
you know affect this next season even and maybe teams are going to lose even more money because it's the way it's looking we might not be able to start with fans in the stands again um, so that that's even going to add to the losses of these teams from this last year um, but let's go ahead and jump over to another one which which we kind of talked about before the show we both find it kind of staggering um, we don't really see what the reasoning is behind it but that is that the Reds are open to gauging interest about trading Sonny Gray. Um, you know, he's, he's really rebounded ever since he got traded to uh, Cincinnati. He, he got with this old um, pitching coach from college. I want to say his name's Derek Johnson. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I, I want to say he was his pitching coach at Vanderbilt yeah. where he went to college, and they had a really good relationship. And after he went to New York and kind of got – the yips and with the media and, and everything he, he you know the reds hired him traded for sunny gray and ever since he's got there he's kind of rejuvenated his career and looked like the sunny gray that we used to see in oakland um so it's very interesting that they're you know open to trading him yeah um when i first heard this rumor i was kind of feeling the same way but I, i've kind of changed a little bit on it because if you look at the reds roster i, I don't know where the talent is offensively to to they've got two really good pitches they all obviously they're losing trevor bauer unless he resigns there which if trevor bauer resigns with the reds i think that changes everything but if you end up you know you lose you're gonna have gray and castillo are obviously top of the rotation arms at the top but but behind them you know you got three guys who are you know a couple of them are decent but they're not top of the rotation or, or really close to it. They're more of, you know, rotation depth, four or five, you know, fours and fives type guys. Um, and then if you look at, uh, their, but their offense has, I just don't know where the young talent is on their offense. You know, Suarez is going to be, I think he'll be pretty good this year. He signed for them for, I, I believe he signed for a few more years. Um, you look, but you look at, I mean, Joey Votto's aged, uh, you know, Tucker Barnhart's 30 plus year old, catcher who's more of a defensive master at catcher um not to say that's bad he's a really good catcher uh but you look at their middle infield and i mean they're and, and they're and, and obviously in their outfield too uh, there's just not really that much that excites me out there in, with the reds uh, player wise i mean jesse winker's pretty good but i, I don't know i you saw their offense how bad it struggled you know down in the regular season and then the postseason it was you know, obviously they didn't even score a run in the postseason. So, um, in two games. So I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about the Reds and maybe having to go back into rebuild because, you know, now you're talking about they lost power and they're going to lose. Um, if they, you know, trade Gray, then they're pretty much back square on rebuild mode. So, um, yeah, but I even think... with Gray, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team. I, I don't know what you think about that, but. I think with them, it's really about they need guys to either play up to their potential or rebound. Um, you know, Castellanos looked really good in the first half of the year, and then he really struggled down the second half of yeah. the year. Um, they signed Shoko Akiyama last year uh, as a you know a import from I think the NPB, uh, and he kind of struggled to get his feet set in the Major League Baseball game, which usually it does take those guys a year or two, um, just because it's a bigger ball. It's the pitchers are throwing harder. There's less break and more velocity. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, teams are – pitch. The major, the major League Baseball is better quality. So when you right. they say that you, you can compare, like, the NPB and the Korean League, the KBO. You can compare it probably to somewhere between double AA and triple A. 
uh, right. baseball. So, you know, you bring in, you're bringing in a guy who was really good at double A slash triple A last year is kind of what they looked at. And I mean, he, Okiyama was pretty good this year. He was fine. Um, I think he'll be decent this coming up year, but I, I just don't see where their cornerstones are offensively. I, I just don't well, see any. You have, you have Nixon Zell as well that yeah. you expect that. I mean, he, he battled with injuries this year, so you expect him to take another step forward. You signed Mike Moustakis last year, and you didn't get Mike Moustakis type numbers. Um, you know, you have Tyler Stevenson at your catcher that you kind of brought up as a young guy showed promise behind the plate, but you kind of gave more to Barnhart because you were in that push for the playoffs. Um, and you didn't really want to have a rookie catcher trying to worry about pushing for the playoffs and learning a pitching staff at the exact same time. So maybe he gets a little bit more run this year. Um, you know, you still do have aging Joey Votto. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, you, yeah. you got to kind of bite the bullet at that point, but you know, they, I, I do feel they have some more offensive pieces than they showed this year. I think that they had a lot of down years um, from their offensive pieces. Now, are you saying that I expect their offense to take a massive jump and be one of the best in baseball? Absolutely not. I don't think that. I do think that they need to get some more talent in there. But I do think that they can battle for a playoff spot even with the, off or the, the piece that they have still on that team yeah maybe and, and a lot of that also has to do with the state of the nl central i mean you don't know what you're going to get from the cubs you don't even know if they're going to half their team that's there now is going to be there next year because of the potential for them to go into a rebuild you don't know what you're going to get from the brewers because their starting pitching behind two guys is awful and their offense has one good player that really struggled this past year in it and so and then of course you're you got a couple teams in square on i mean the pirates and are in square on rebuild mode so it, it's just one of those situations in the cardinals that you don't know what you're going to get from them because their talent level in the pitching staff is pretty average and their lineup is pretty average they're just a pretty average team so i think best case scenario for the reds offense and uh, is, is middle of the road i think the best case scenario is an average offense and the best case scenario, and, and the, if they keep Sonny Gray, their pitching staff could be a little above average, uh, maybe maybe even good if one of their other guys takes a step forward between Gray, Castillo, and then have another guy take a step forward. But I just don't know. I, I don't really believe that the Reds are, unless it, they're just in it because of the, the uh, NL Central being really bad, um, that, might, that might cause them to be in it. But I just don't know if the Reds are going to be a – playoff team this year I, I just don't really see it so but um but we'll see you never know yeah. you never know um so our last little thing which we've talked about um quite a bit is that you know the mets were bought by steve cohen and we did expect them to be aggressive this year on the market um well sandy alderson who is going to be their kind of I think he's like their CEO or something. He's one of the high-ranking officials. They don't have a general manager, and they're not planning to hire one this year. Alderson was their former general manager um, a while back before he had to retire due to health issues. Um, but now he's kind of in that you know advisory role and everything. But he did say on uh, MLB Sirius XM Radio this week that they're not going to wait for the market to develop and that they're going to try and be a little more aggressive. He said he expects trade markets and the free agent market to be – you know, pretty slow like it was the last couple years, but he said that he's he wanted to make it clear that the Mets were not going to be cautious and that they were going to be on the forefront of making moves this year. Um, so that that's 
a big development, which we've kind of said that, you know, is Steve Cohen going to come in and, and throw his money around and say, look, hey, I'm here and let's we're going to win. Um, and this is kind of another little, you know, push that way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is just confirmation of something that we kind of already knew. But um, it is interesting to hear one of their officials say it. But I think we all knew that the Mets are going to be aggressive. And I mean, sometimes when you hear an official like this say that, he's I mean, it's almost like, you, you know, you call sometimes when a when a coach says up, you call it coach speak. It's GM speak or you know, high ranking official in Alderson's case speak. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they're always going to come out and say, if they're going to say anything, they're going to say, Oh, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to, we're not going to take, take all of you. We're not going to take all the time in the world. We're going to try to sign free agents as soon as we can type stuff. I mean, you know, there's a few different approaches. Sometimes you don't hear that, but I'm not super surprised about that. And, um, you know, it's a little bit like the Phillies a few years ago saying, we're going to spend stupid money. Well, you know, we kind of knew that they were going to try to spend stupid money. So um, I, I think it's I, I don't think it's too much of a of a new development, but it is very interesting hearing one of the guys who's going to be involved in the potentially signing free agents uh, say that. So um, I think and I think it's I think it's a good thing if, you know, one of the GMs is ready to move and ready to make a ready to make a push here early in free agency. Cause I think especially this year, you're going to have a lot of players that are sitting there in spring training, looking for a job. So um, I hope that, oh, yeah. I hope that they're yeah. able to get a lot of guys signed up early. So they, so teams kind of know what's going to be out there. Well, yeah. And if one team is aggressive on a guy that another team wants, I mean, that's going to make, that yep, other it'll team make the market to make a move. That'll push the market. Um, yep. You know, and then if that team signs it and then you need a backup plan. Now you jump to this guy and now you got, this guy with four teams that yeah, needs his the options are fewer and the um, urgency picks up. So we did want to mention as well that the non-tender deadline um, yep. is going to be, I think it's this week. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. I think it's like maybe um, Tuesday or Thursday or something. So, so what that pretty much does is that teams have an option to give that person uh, a certain number on their contract uh, guaranteed to them or basically just release them out to the market. So you're going to see, and I expect this year to see a lot more names. Um, usually you get a couple surprises, uh, but especially if we're, you know, we're dealing with teams maybe losing $2 billion in revenue, that uh, I expect to see a little bit, uh, some more bigger names uh, be non-tendered this year. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's ARB. It's ARB eligible players. This is because when arbitration, you tender a contract to a player to you know, to, to start the negotiations for, for the future arbitration hearing slash if you just sign them to a, you know, one-year deal to avoid ARB. This is arbitration-eligible players, so if you don't tender them a contract by this date, then they become free agents, basically what it what it boils yeah. down to. So, And arbitration is for guys who are um, either really good with two to six years or most of the time it's three to six years yep. of major league experience. So. Um, so. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to our AL Central uh, division breakdown. Um, we're pretty much just, like I said, going over what you know the, each team kind of lost, what we thought their core pieces are, um, and kind of like what we want to either think that their team needs are or what we kind of want to see their team uh, do for this next season. Um, so we're going to start with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, the uh, Minnesota Twins this past year did win the AL Central. Um, they went 36 and 24. They won it by one game, um, and they uh, they had a good season. Um, the, the season was definitely 
you know, it stung the way that they finished in the postseason, but they had a really good regular season. Um, they in a, in a very good division too. They, uh, you know, they're going to lose. Uh, Nelson Cruz is the biggest, by far the biggest loss for them. The ageless wonder um, who put up huge numbers for him this past year. Uh, Jake Odorizzi didn't really pitch that much because from from injuries, uh, but he, you know, he has been a piece for them year before or year before last. That was really good. Uh, Trevor May, really good bullpen arm. Uh, I believe Sergio Romo is a free agent too. He was one of their uh, more relied upon bullpen arms. And uh, Marwan Gonzalez, utility guy that has really kind of struggled with the Twins. Uh, they lost him. They're bringing back um, Kepler, uh, Max Kepler, uh, Byron Buxton, Eddie Rosario, Josh Donaldson, Kenta Maeda, Jorge Polanco, uh, Jose Barrios. I mean, they're bringing back a lot of their core. Um this is a team that is returning guys who will help them win this year. And I think they're still in a really good position to make it back to the postseason. So Damien, if you want to start with uh, what you think uh, some of their needs are, um, we go ahead and hit that real quick. Yeah. I think that they're going to need, you know, a couple veteran starters. Um, you know, they, they have, I think four solid options right now, but as we've seen with what the Atlanta Braves went through this last year, um, that, <clears throat> That you kind of need a, a little bit more depth at least, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they if they would sign you know a couple a couple major league starters, maybe even re-sign Odorizzi. Um, they their big move they have to do is you have to re-sign Nelson Cruz. Um, he's one of your leaders on that team, and he's still one of your best productive hitters. Um, so you really need to re-sign him. You know, a utility bat, kind of somebody that can play everywhere. Um, you know, not, not going to be a starter every single day, but a guy who can maybe start two to three times a week and just take a load off, you know, give your third baseman a break one day and then your second baseman a break the next day. And then, you know, a couple days later, maybe even when you're outfield, there's a break. Um, and then, you know, one to two bullpen arms, maybe bring back Romo, who's been really good. And you're losing Trevor May, uh, who's been one of your more relied upon right-handers. Um, what you're going you're gonna to hear bullpen arms be a... a a big need for every team, pretty much. I mean, every team's always looking for a yeah. bullpen, but but for a team who won a division and you know is looking to make a deeper run in the playoffs, they definitely do need a couple more, um, at least very serviceable bullpen arms. Oh yeah, for sure. And they are a team that they have some good options in their bullpen still that are returning. But I definitely think they need to add at least one pretty good option for their bullpen. Um, and I, I agree with you on all those points for their for their needs. I, I definitely think. Um, either re-signing Cruz or replacing Cruz. You, you don't know if you're going to be able to re-sign him. You know, if a team offers him a two-year deal for $40 million or something, something crazy, then obviously I think the Twins would want to move on from that. From that. And uh, there's other options out there you could look at, maybe like a Michael Brantley might be an interesting option for the Twins. Um, add a left-handed bat in there. And then, um, you know, I put down a maybe add a starter. Um, I do like their options they have now. I think that the top of their rotation with Barrios and Maeda is going to be really solid. Um, and then, you know, I think Michael Pineda has been pretty good for them. You know, the last year, and of course, this shortened season, he was pretty solid. Uh, Randy Dobnak's a guy who has gotten, you know, has kind of established himself as maybe a number five in the big leagues. So uh, I think they've got they got good options. Um, I think you maybe add a, one of the cheaper veteran guys, like maybe Cole Hamels, see if he's healthy. Uh, maybe uh, John Lester, um, a couple of these guys that are, and I don't know if you're going to be able to get either one of those guys, but just somebody who's kind of a, you know, a, a veteran experienced arm 
be number three or four. Just kind of add some steadiness to your rotation. Make sure you have a fifth guy. Add some depth, that kind of thing. So I don't really think they need to add too much in the way of pitching. And then obviously, you know, anytime you can add an extra bat, I mean, that's always a help. Bench bats, bullpen arms. It's gonna be that's gonna be a need for every contender is bench bat, bullpen arms. So, um, but yeah, I think the Twins are gonna be good again this year. They they got a, they got a lot returning. Yeah, so our next one, and it's going to be an interesting offseason from this team. That's the Cleveland Indians. Um, they did go 35-25 and 25 this last year, um, clinched a wild card berth. Um, you know, they're going to they, – we've already talked about how they've lost Brad Hand. They declined his option. Um, Cesar Hernandez, Carlos Santana, those were three big pieces on their team this year. Um, their core is pretty much their rotation. You know, they have Bieber, you have McKenzie, you have Plesac, you have Sabale. You have Carrasco. Um, you know we, we've talked about how the the rotation is is one of the big big strengths of the Cleveland Indians organization. You still have Jose Ramirez, um, and you might have Francisco Lindor. Uh, he might you know he might be traded this year. They've had a lot of discussions about it in the past couple years, and maybe this is the year they finally do that. Um, but what are you kind of looking at for their uh, their team needs? Um, well, for the Indians, it feels like a broken record a little bit. Add an outfielder. And I think this year it's a little bit more specifically a center fielder because they have added some guys they can throw out in the corner outfield. Uh, they've got uh, Fran Mil Reyes. You can, in a pinch, you can throw him out there in the corner outfield. Josh Naylor, guy that was part of the uh, trade for um, – the trade for uh, Mike Clevenger uh, came over from San Diego. They could throw him out in left field. Uh, so I think for the Indians, the, the biggest thing is, is I don't think they need more athleticism in the outfield. They need a center fielder, really. And they've had this past year, they played Delano to Shields there a lot. He's been, he's probably a replacement level player. I think I like him a lot better as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Um, you know, Jordan Luplo played outfield a good bit for them as a as a platoon bat, which I think is a really good thing to have for, to go with Naylor. Uh, I think Naylor's, you know, he's a lot better. He, I think he can hit both against both, but I think he's a lot better against right-handed pitching. So maybe Luplo is a, a good platoon bat to have as, as he crushes left-handed pitching. Um, I, I think also a need is figure out what are, what are you going to do with Lindor? Because uh, I don't think they're going to be able to resign him. The Indians are one of these notoriously uh, low payroll teams. So are you going to go for it one more time or are you going to trade him? You can't. I, I think for the Indians and their situation, you cannot get stuck in between with him. Um, you need to trade him if you're gonna if you're not gonna go for it this year. Um, if if they do if they do decide to trade Lindor and they're not gonna go for it, then I think that they ought to blow it up and get a they could get the best return ever with some of these young pitching arms that they have. Um, and you know they could have a a great like maybe one of the best farm systems ever if they were able to do that. But um, but if you're going for it this year, you're gonna have to replace the back into your bullpen replace Brad hand and you just lost your first and second baseman. So you're going to have to replace Carlos Santana and Cesar Hernandez who are both really good this year. So that's a lot of needs the Indians have. And they don't have, to, obviously by the way they decline Brad hands contract uh, option uh, and Carlos Santana's option. They don't have a lot of money to spend. They got a lot of needs and not a lot of money to spend. So uh, this will be a uh, very difficult off season for the Indians. Yeah, they're going to be in the the bargain bin section of the uh, the free agent market. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, but it, you know, like you said, the Indians have been a team who's went for it the past couple of years, but now they're in that that 
that crossroads where you're going to have to pick which way you go. Um, you know, I think that you're even, your Lindor package is even going to suffer a little bit more now that you're only going to get one, you know, one season of him and one season of maybe, you know, with a pandemic filled, yeah, uh, you know, season again, where if you would have traded him before last, last year, when we didn't even know that this thing was here, maybe you would have got a bigger return. So who really knows uh, with what the Indians are going to do? They're going to be one of the more fascinating teams to kind of watch uh, for all those reasons that you kind of just said. Yeah, and, um, and and not to mention the fact that you've got a couple guys that you could trade right now. You could trade Carlos Carrasco right now and get a huge return for him. He's a he's a good pitcher, and and, and the same goes. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Well, I might say it, but I'm gonna. Chain Bieber. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if you <laughs> if you blow it up, if you blow it up, the think of what Shane Bieber could get your farm system. I mean, uh, he's a young pitcher. He's under control for three or four more years, and he just came off one of the a historically good year and i mean if you're not gonna win which if you trade lindor your only piece offensively that is you know other than a few supplemental pieces that you have coming back and and, and uh, you know a couple of those dh slash left field type players your only piece is jose ramirez so uh, offensively so i think if you trade lindor or and, and or don't resign him after this offseason. I think you trade Ramirez and you trade Bieber and you trade Carrasco. I mean, I yeah. you know bit rebuild on a couple of these younger you know rookie pitchers like McKenzie, Plesac, Savali, a couple of the rookie pitchers, and you know you've got a couple pieces back for Clevenger like Naylor, um, and and a couple other guys that are in your farm system now. That uh, that's I think that's really your options there if you're the Indians. But I mean, there's a lot of needs there, so they're gonna have to spend some money or you know, just get really lucky on some, it's hard to play money ball now because everyone does it. So um, you're going to have to get lucky on a couple of these young or a couple of, you know, money ball type signings. So. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. White Sox 35 and 25 last year. Um, they, uh, they're losing um, James McCann, a pretty big piece for them. Um, I guess he's kind of more of a backup catcher this year, but he played a little bit of first too, I think, and spelling guys, DH, that kind of thing, and played a little bit of different stuff. Uh, and Alex Colomay, their closer, who had a really good year, um, they lose him too. But they bring back so many guys, young yeah. talent. I mean, Luis Robert, we saw what he can do. Um, Jose Abreu, who won the AL MVP. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, who took a little bit of a step forward this past year. Uh, Moncada, who has been a pretty good player. I don't know if he's hit his lofty expectation of from when he was a prospect, but he's been a solid major league player. And then you have Giolito, who looks like one of the true aces in baseball, and Tim Anderson, not to mention the fact that you still got a couple guys locked up. Like, uh, you know, you got Dallas Keuchel coming back. He had a good year. And you've got uh, uh, Grandal locked up to play catcher. So you've got some guys that are locked up for a couple years, plus all these young, talented players. And that, this is a this is a core that uh, I think there's very few teams in baseball that are um, – I think there's very few teams in baseball that wouldn't trade their core for this core. So, Yeah, they're really positioned well um, for the, the upcoming, you know, next five to six years. Um, you know, really one of their biggest needs is pitching health. Um, they have a lot of options and a lot of good options, but they just can't stay healthy. You know, Carlos Rodon has battled injuries. Michael Kopech has battled injuries. Raylando Lopez has battled injuries. Um, 
you know, you still have Dane Dunning and uh, Dylan Cease that are, you know, kind of made their debuts this year and are kind of, you know, on the up and cup yeah. coming. So I mean, Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease needs to take a step forward, I think, because he yeah. is a guy who is a high-rated prospect, and he didn't look very good in his cup of coffee he got this year. So maybe if he takes a step forward, which the White Sox have shown the ability to be able to develop a pitcher, because Giolito was kind of in the same same boat when he first came up. So Yeah, and then, you know, like we've said before, bullpen um, and a utility bat. As much as it pains me to say a guy like Kike Hernandez would be perfect in this place. Um, because they don't have anybody that can back up first, second, third, shortstop, really, or even some of their outfields. I mean, Adam Angle right now is their fourth outfielder. Um, you know, and, and right now you could to potentially look at maybe maybe you find a starting second baseman um, for a year because you still have Nick Madrigal, and he kind of struggled this year. Um, you know, but I do know that the White Sox want to give him a little bit more run, so maybe you do get a guy like Kike and have him start for the first half, and then he's kind of an, an all-around bat for you. Um, but but really their need is pitching health and pitching development. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, when it comes to pitching health, I think obviously if you get Kopech back, he's got a lot of talent. Um, another guy that we didn't mention, whether it's in the starting rotation or in the bullpen, is Garrett Croce. Is he going to be healthy? Because he went out in their last wild card game. He looked extremely good when he in his cup of coffee in the majors throwing extremely hard and everything but he came out in his last uh his last game and um you know it looked like he got injured um and it sounds like it was a flexor strain in his forearm his throwing arm which typically would refer to a ucl but he apparently according to his mris has no damage to his ucl so um which is obviously awesome news if it's something that's you know true but sometimes you do see where they won't reveal structural damage on an mri but then the player eventually ends up needing tommy john surgery anyways so um but we'll see i mean uh, i think carlos rodon's kind of the key for their pitching health because he's a little bit more of a veteran established guy that they need to they need him to be healthy next year and then you know you throw a couple of these young guys in the four and five spots in the rotation behind giolito and keichel and you end up you know maybe one of them takes off because they got a lot of talent so um, I think that White Sox, that's definitely their, their biggest, their biggest thing is pitching. Um, so, uh, our next team that we're going to look at, uh, was the fourth place team, the Royals, and they went 26 and 34 this year. And I'll let you, uh, kind of talk about them first. Yeah, they, uh, they lost Alex Gordon, who's been one of their franchise cornerstones for, I mean, his entire career. Um, he decided to retire this year. Um, they did lose Greg Holland as well. Um, and Ian Kennedy is uh, another guy that they lost. He he wasn't particularly good, but he was signed to a bigger contract. Um, so that kind of gets that money off the books for them. Uh, I mean, they do have a solid young core. Um, you know, their pitchers, which is uh, Brad Keller and Brady Singer. You got Alberto Mondesi, um, Jorge Soler, Salvador Perez is, you know, on the older side of that. Whit Merrifield's, you know, over 30 as well. Um, but they're kind of their core core guys, um, and you know their needs is is more young young starting development. Um, you know we talked about or we, we mentioned Brad Kelly and Brady Singer. Um, you know can those guys take a little bit of a step forward from what their their past couple seasons have been? Um, you know and then Alberto Mondesi, um, you know can can he develop and get a little bit more plate discipline? He's a guy who has all of the talent in the world, plays really good defense. 
He's lightning quick on the base paths, but he struck out at a 30% rate this year and only walked 5% of the time. Um, so you need him to make contact with the ball a little bit more. Maybe even look to maybe make put the ball in, on the ground more and use that speed rather than try and hit as many homers. Yeah, um, this is an interesting team. The, the Royals, uh, they're kind of starting to look like they're turning the corner a little bit. They they definitely have some of their pieces starting to hit the big league level. Um, Brad Keller had a really good year. He, he looks like he's going to be a solid rotation arm for them for a while. Uh, but the, the growth of those young starters, Brady Singer and uh, Shane Bubik, I believe Chris Bubik, Kyle, I don't know. Kyle? Kyle Bubik. Uh, Bubik. Uh, uh, that's an easy to remember last name. <laughs> he, he had a pretty good uh, cup of coffee this year. Good, good good start to his career they need some growth out of these young starters they, they have a couple other guys in triple a that are kind of lurking or in double triple a that are lurking uh, they had we didn't mention stalmont uh the reliever who was very impressive looking um i think he's got a rain in his command just a little bit more but he's very impressive looking throwing real hard um but yeah i mean i kind of agree with you for, for needs for these last two teams it's gonna be more of like what what, what will help them get to the next step in the future? Because I don't think it's easy to just look at these teams and say, hey, they need this, this, and this, and free agency slash trades for this coming up year. Both of these last two teams, the Royals, and, and we'll talk about the Tigers in a minute, they just need talent, and they need growth of some of their players. So Mondesi's consistency is obviously, like you said, that that's, that's the biggest uh, development that they could have offensively, but, but also just, you know, they'll throw some players out there, like, like maybe a Hunter Dozier, does he establish himself as a solid player that's going to be around for a long time? Like throw some of these guys out there, you know, some of these younger players that maybe don't have the high prospect pedigree and they need to hit on a couple of them that, that every team that goes from, you know, the current state of the Royals in the full-blown rebuild mode to becoming a World Series contender has to hit on a few of these players that are kind of, you know, unheralded a little bit, but, you know, maybe lower-rated prospects that figure something out, something like that. So uh, that's what you're looking for from the Royals. Uh, but the biggest thing to me is just that those young starters, how do they grow? They Are they going to – is Brady Singer going to take a step and become, a, you know, a really good – top to middle of the rotation arm like his ceiling is is you know is Keller gonna keep doing what he did this past year and keep working on it keep improving because I really like his sinker I think he's gonna be a good pitcher um so I think um you know and and the Royals do I mean they still got a few pretty good core pieces Solaire and Merrifield still there for a couple more years I think and Salvador Perez has obviously been their franchise cornerstone through their through their uh through their winning days and uh kind of he's kind of the the Hang the leftover from that and carry over for them. Um, and he's a, just a guy who's going to show great leadership and, um, that he, he's obvious. I think he's going to be a Royal his entire career. So, but yeah, I like, it is, it is, uh, it is Chris Bubik, by the way, Chris Bubik. That's yeah. right. I don't know why I, Shane Beaver, Chris Bubik. I mean, it's kind of close names, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but... No, but yeah, he, I mean, he had a good, good year this year as well as for his rookie season. So, you know, just can, can those guys develop that? That's pretty much what it is. Um, and that's kind of going to be the, the same thing you're going to hear for this next team, which is the Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, they, they lost, uh, Jonathan Scope and CJ Crone, which are two, uh, two big starters for them, uh, at first base and second base this year. Um, and they did lose Jordan Zimmerman. That's not a big loss as on field production wise, but he had a huge contract that comes off the books for the, the Tigers now. And, uh, you know, Detroit's always been somebody who... <clears throat> 
or a team who has been able to attract free agents there um, or get people to re-sign. Uh, so being able to take that money off the books, you know, potentially opening it up for, you know, some other signings down the road, that that's good for them. Their core is a young core. Um, you know, you got Casey Mize, Tark, Scooble, um, Heimer, Candelario, Nico Good, uh, Goodrum. Um, and I guess you can say that Matthew Boyd is a part of it, um, but they've been a team that has kind of, you know, talked about trading him. I think he's nearing the end of his arbitration years, so maybe they're going to have to make that decision about if they want to re-sign him to a long-term deal or not. Um, and then what do you kind of had on their, their needs perspective? Yeah, um, well, I think the development of Mize and Scooball is going to be big. And, and the Tigers have a lot of guys in their minor league system right now who their development as well. Uh, they, they have a very high rate. At, you know, we're talking about major league right now. So um, we're, you know, I don't especially want to go into individuals because I could talk about them all day. But, um, but you know, they, their upper minors are, are pretty good. They got some pieces there that are going to help a lot. Um, so you look at their needs and, and Mize and Scooball being the guys that are already there, them developing, I think, um, a, a big development for them would be a, a Chris, uh, a, uh, a Matthew Boyd or a Car- uh, Michael Fulmer bounce back, uh, Matthew Boyd, obviously year before, you know, last year was this past year was awful. Uh, gave him a ton of home runs year before last though, was pretty good. Um, and, and actually had drawn a lot of trade interest, um, Michael Fulmer's a guy who a couple years ago, you know, I, I don't remember if he won rookie of the year, but he was pretty good. He was close to it and he had a really good year and drew a lot of trade rumors, a lot of a lot of people excited about what they thought he could do for the Tigers, but you know, the last couple of years it's been injury plagued and his performance was really poor this year. So, um, you know, do you get a bounce back from one of them? Are they does Fulmer find it being fully healthy and come back and look like he did his first couple of years or and does Matt Boyd, you know, find it and, you know, get back to being able to keep the ball in the ballpark. Um, and then um, I mean the biggest thing for them though is just find their future offense. They've they've got some guys that are interesting, uh, that have shown maybe some flashes of maybe being a future major league role player and on a contending team. You know, Jacoby Jones took a little bit of a step forward this year. Um, Nico Goodrum, we, you know, you mentioned already, uh, but he, he's pretty solid. Um, you know, it's just guys like that. You know, you, you got a lot of young guys who are, you know, kind of journeyman guys or guys who are maybe fourth outfielder or utility man type prospects that you bring up and, you, you know, you can see what they do. Um, at the big league level and hope maybe one of them sticks and figure something out and does extremely well. And then you've got a cornerstone for the future. So, uh, and then you, you supplement that with some of these, you know, minor league players that as they continue to develop and get called up. And uh, I think that's what you want to see from the Tigers, just seeing that development um, and then maybe have a bounce back from a Fulmer slash Boyd and, uh, and, you know, maybe maybe you trade one of those guys, but maybe it ends up being a piece that you have in the future anyway. So, but uh, the Tigers are definitely not as far along as the Royals in their rebuild. They don't have quite as much of a core in place at the major league level, at least. So, yeah, the Royals have found you know some of their major league talent um, that's going to be there for the long haul, and I'm not sure Detroit has that many really outside of Casey Myers and Dark Scooble. Um, you know, maybe Candelario, but 
even then that's going to be iffy. Um, so they just you, you need to find major league talent that, that's going to be a part of your contending teams, um, you know, in the future. So, well, that pretty much wraps up our episode today. Um, like we said, next episode we should have the non-tender deadline, and hopefully we have a little bit more of the rumors in action. Um, it seems like things are starting to pick up a little bit, so hopefully that continues on. Uh, you got any closing final thoughts? Um, not really too much. Um, I, I think that you're seeing some teams that are really cautious about payroll because of because of their losses this past year, but you're seeing some teams that you know the Braves are kind of doing what they have done the last couple of years, signing couple pretty decently sized uh you know f- commitments for this coming up year you know they've spent 25 million dollars already so um you're seeing um I believe you saw the the blue jays make that make that move you're seeing the mets talking about making big moves so i think you're seeing some teams that are still going to be pretty aggressive going forward you're seeing some teams like the phillies that are you know maybe looking like they're going to be pretty conservative with their money after you know losing a lot of revenue this year. So um, it'll be interesting. I think that whole financial flexibility thing has become super important this year, because if you have tons of commitments with that reduced revenue, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to struggle to find players that, you know, sign players. But if you are a team that, you know, has a lot of money on the books already, you might not be able to jump your payroll up quite as much as you would like, but you can still jump your payroll. You can still make some moves. You can still sign some players, and I think you're seeing that a little bit right now from uh, across the majors and uh, non-tender deadline this week. I, I don't know if we're going to see any star players, but I think we'll probably see a couple guys who end up contributing pretty well for contending teams next year get get uh, get into that free agent class. So that'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of teams that are hoping there would be a, there'll be a couple outfielders there because. Um, are the center field there's really no center fielders out there in the free agent class right now that are major league talent so uh, i think some teams are hoping that maybe a team that is not contending has a guy that's they don't they non-tender that's can play center field so that they could go out and get somebody because that's a that's a that's a struggle point right now so but uh i'm excited we'll see what happens this week I'm excited too, and and I think that we're gonna get a couple shocking names that we didn't know. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's guys who we can always kind of envision, but every year there happens to be one or two names where we're like, whoa, that guy got non-tendered, um, and maybe this year that ups that to four to five, um, just because of you know the the financial limitations of some teams. So we'll see what happens, but uh, but that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.